thanks for coming back. It's nice to see you here today. Seeing your energy, feeling your energy, having your energy present with me. I am just here to talk about our parents and why we choose them for better or worse. And this might be hard for some of us because we may not have great relationships with our parents. It may be hard for us if we believe certain things about life <laughs> that make the choice of who parents us feel incongruous with what we believe. But stay with me. Ultimately, this is an ode to my parents. If you're listening to me on any of my platforms, I talk a lot about how my parents are the source of my greatest hardships as well as my greatest gifts. It's the double-edged sword. It is the double-sided coin. <laughs> it is the gift and the shadow. The biggest thing that I know, one of the big things about life, one of the laws of life is that everything is in balance. And for everything in balance to be in balance, you have an equal representation of darkness and light, shadow and light, uh, joy and pain high vibration and low vibration. Why? Because we're here to learn and to grow and we learn the most. We learn a lot from both joy, beauty and happiness as well as from sadness, struggle and pain. And our souls came here primarily to grow. So if you've been listening to other episodes, you'll hear me speaking, especially in episode one and two, you'll hear me speaking about what I believe about reincarnation and I believe about souls, right? I believe that we are souls that choose to incarnate lifetime after lifetime on earth because we're seeking to grow and self-actualize. We're seeking to actualize as individuals and to contribute our mutation and wisdom and growth and experience to the collective consciousness because collective consciousness, I believe, is also expanding. I don't believe it's static. And so we're all doing our part to support ourselves and to contribute to this bigger whole. Okay, I'm going to pause for a second because I'm suddenly freezing and I will not make it through this episode. So I'm going to be right back. You might hear a slight interruption. Okay, I'm back. I'm in a in cozy sweatpants and a delicious sweatshirt from Zara. Oh my gosh, it's my favorite sweatshirt. And... I am now prepared to continue speaking. So, <laughs> you know, as souls, we come in different incarnations in order to grow and we seek to contribute the gifts of our growth to both our own evolution and the evolution and expansion of universal consciousness. And the principal way that in which we grow is through experience, by being on earth, experiencing different things. Because we're many souls, and in soul world, we cluster into groups. They are part of our soul family. And our soul family are our soulmates, in essence. Soulmates aren't just romantic connections. They're also familial, friendship, platonic connections, where there is deep love and recognition. And people in soul families will re often reincarnate with each other in order to support each other in life. Okay, I'm going to take a deep breath because I think I'm a bit breathless. <laughs> I move so quickly, guys. I'm like a whirlwind. So I, I went and I put on the sweatpants and I put on a shirt 
And then I forgot that I wasn't wearing a, a shirt under the sweatshirt. So I put on the shirt and then I put on the sweatshirt again. And then I came and I sat down and I think I'm breathless because I did all of that too fast. So I'm going to take a deep breath. <sighs> okay. <sighs> all right. Okay. This is actually something I do with my clients if they come to sessions flustered because they're running from meeting to meeting. So, <clears throat> as souls, we cluster in groupings and we'll incarnate together to support each other's growth. We know each other well, we integrate our lessons together between lifetimes, and then we take that wisdom and we come back to Earth and we're like, right, okay guys, um, the thing that I wanted to grow in is X, and Jane, my soulmate, the thing you want to grow in is why we're going to make an agreement where I'm going to help you grow in Y and you're going to help me grow in X. That's our soul agreement. And you're going to play the role of my best friend in this life. And I will probably meet you at work in my twenties. <laughs> and I, um, and as best friends, our relationship is going to be one that helps us to explore or grow or experience X right? Experience Z, right? And Z will support you in your growth objective and me and my growth objective. Now we do this with our parents. We do this with our romantic relationships with certain partners. And, you know, we do this with an uncle, a grandparent. So our soulmates come in many different roles in our lives and we can identify them by thinking of people in our lives who we feel exceptionally close to, right? Or um, just have a connection that we can't really explain that is unique to us or special to us or has been incredibly difficult but like hugely pivotal for our lives. For me, my parents played that role. All souls in general pick parents that will parent them in the way that will support what their souls are trying to grow in. So we actually choose our parents in service of our own growth. So they are actually submitting themselves to our soul intent. We are not victims of them, right? Number two, we are doing the same for them. We are offering them the opportunity to parent children like us so that they can grow in the way that they sought to grow as souls, so that they can experience something or test something out or overcome something that they haven't been able to through the relationship they have with us and the things that happen in the dynamic between us. For example, some parents will choose to experience a miscarriage because they want to learn to find meaning in life after the deep impossible loss of a child in let's say stillbirth or in miscarriage or in abortion, whatever it might be. And so for some souls that might be because in a previous lifetime they lost a child young and they grieved and they gave up on life and committed suicide or they grieved so badly that they couldn't and they closed down their hearts so they couldn't love their other children so their other children suffered or whatever it might be so sometimes they're choosing this iteration so that they can counterbalance and they can learn to con they can learn to find balance across that growth lesson, right? So souls are incredibly wise and incredibly brave, right? Because we kind of choose to experience impossible things 
so that we can grow. Sometimes we're doing it because we haven't yet experienced massive grief and loss. And so we want to know, well, what is grief like on this fundamental, deep, impossible level? And how do I recover from it? So I'm just giving that as an example. So let's come back to our parents. So we pick our parents and the type of relationship that we choose to have with our parents is really, really pivotal. It's one of the most important relationship choices that we make. That and our partner. Because we grow them, souls grow the most in relationship. And that relationship is pivotal to how we understand ourselves and the world. It shapes many things about us, our beliefs, our values, our capabilities, um, our sense of love, worthiness, belonging, so many things. And so we pick very, very carefully. If you listen to, I think it was the episode where I'm talking about why is love so hard to find, right? I share some of the patterning and some of the soul choices that my soul made by choosing my parents. Um, because the way my parents parented me um, was both a gift and a curse and resulted in some of the challenges, the biggest challenges I faced in my life have been because of things I learned and began to believe about myself and life and other people based on how my parents parented me. And so what does that mean? That means your parents are actually the greatest gift that your soul has given you. I know that's like a very difficult truth to allow to sit within us, but it is true. Whatever your parents are, they're the greatest gift. Now our parents are not perfect. My parents are not perfect. And it took me a long time to accept their imperfections and their limitations and see them as human and stop holding them to an impossible standard. Because for me, and for who I am, my parents, the way my parents parented me gave me great gifts and it really damaged me. And I use the word damage because it did. And I've had to repair, heal, fix, shift so many um, traumas, uh, difficult experiences, limiting beliefs about myself, worthiness issues, um, you know, issues about limitation, um, what is possible, um, what is healthy love, is healthy love possible, can I be loved and accepted, will I not be controlled, so many of the fundamental life lessons that I came here to learn have their roots in how my parents parented me. Now, when I was much younger, before I found Michael Newton's work, right, and I can break down my relationship with my parents into stages, as a kid, it was just awful, right? I just saw all the pain because I was in so much pain. I was suicidal and I ultimately didn't commit suicide, not because, I don't think initially it was because I didn't want to. I think initially I just didn't do it because I was scared of the pain which made me feel worse about myself because I felt chicken shit for that reason. But then it became because I was like, but what if life could get better, right? And then I chose to stay alive. But a big reason was because of my home environment and I was being bullied at school. 
And so both those things came together to make things impossible. So as a teen, my parents were my villains. They were here to control me. Um, they didn't love me. This is my narrative, right? This is what I believed from my experiences. Um, they didn't like me very much. They didn't really want to have kids. I was an inconvenience to them. I couldn't rely on them for emotional stability. They, I was scared of them. I didn't think they loved me. I thought that they just tolerated me and I just didn't think they loved, they liked me very much. They didn't know me very well. I didn't feel like they trusted me. I didn't think they thought I was even really a great person um, because they were very strict and, and they were very hard on us. They were, they pushed us super hard um, and you know, a bundle of other things, right? And so I saw them as like these adversaries that came to make life really, really hard for me and I sought to escape them. So then in my 20s, my parents became the people I had escaped. <laughs> and thank goodness now I had my own life, right? And I was not going to be controlled. I wasn't going to constantly be told no. I wasn't going to be limited. I wasn't going to be criticized and brought down. I wasn't going to constantly be punished. I was just finally going to be able to go and just find peace. I wanted to find peace and I didn't even know what it felt like to be wanted and to be worthy and to be good enough, right? Because I was never good enough in my parents' eyes the way that I grew up, right? And in, in, in my perspective, I was never good enough in their eyes and the communication around it really emphasized that because it was always, you could do better, you could do more, why aren't you X, why aren't you Y, right? Um, and they parented me the way they were parented, right? We're not going to talk about their experience. I'm just talking about my experience. And then that took me, and I remember a pivotal point in my 20s where my friendship with the girls that I met in college was so healing for me because it was the first time I had a group of friends that it felt like, wow, they see me. They love me. Like, they want me around. People just come and they just want to visit me and they want to spend time with me and like, and I tasted that in a really real way. Um, it just felt like unconditional love, whereas my parents' love had felt very conditional and very controlling and like it was in service of them primarily. And so that was my 20s. And I, you know, throughout my 20s had like a lot of nightmares about my dad. He was a very tight disciplinarian. He was very strict. And I'll be honest, I was scared of him. Um, this doesn't make him a bad person. I mean, he was raised the way he was raised too, so it was hard for him. But um, I was scared of him growing up. And when I've finished telling my story, I'll also, because my parents are also amazing people, I, I want to just make that caveat that it's a double-sided coin, right? So don't leave here thinking my parents were shit because they weren't shit. They were people and I chose them to parent me in that way for a reason, right? So um, in my 20s, I would have a lot of nightmares that my father was trying to kill us and I was, I was trying to escape. And, you know, in the escape, I would always be trying to like rescue my siblings and make sure we were all safe because I'd also grown up hyper vigilant because my parents were very strict disciplinarians. So, and, and we were disciplined a lot. So you just never knew if you were about to be shouted at or about to be punished. And so it just walked on eggshells, right? And um, so that was the 20s. 
And I remember leaving to go to the US and saying, vowing that I wouldn't come back for my father's funeral. And the crazy thing, this is the first time I've actually made this connection. I actually missed his funeral and it devastated me. Oh my God, I missed his funeral and his memorial because funeral, because of COVID, memorial because I got, I had emergency surgery. And at that point now I had forgiven him. So I really wanted to be at the funeral. But isn't that interesting that in my twenties I'd been like, I don't even care if he died, I wouldn't go. Guys, I was just so heartbroken. So my parents were my first loves and they were my first heartbreak. In my thirties, around mid thirties, I started doing work on myself. And um, thank God it came just in time because I'd gotten to a point in my therapy where my father then got sick and just sort of moving slowly into the lead up of him getting sick I had started forgiving him and working really hard on understanding his story learning well who is my dad what made him who he is what did he experience and did he do the best he could and I believe he did do the best he could and that helped me to begin to forgive him then he got sick and the focus really became on my father there was a little bit of focus on my mom um, and my relationship with my mom was just really, really tough because whew, she was also, both of them were very hard on us. But I think for her, um, yeah, I just never felt like I was good enough for her. For both of them, it was, it was the case. But my mom really, yeah, it was hard. It was just tough. She was stoic. She was hardworking. She was very independent. And um, she lost all her siblings in the war. And her parents died while she was a young adult, right? Like I never met my grandfather, but I met my grandmother, but don't remember her because she then died while I was quite young. And that's hard. Imagine being completely on your own in this life. So she just wanted us to be hyper-independent, right? And she tried to raise us so that we'd rely on ourselves. And it worked, certainly worked for me, like too well. <laughs> A little too well but I'm an overachiever my mother was but um, so in my 30s there was this kind of journey of building compassion through therapy through the work I did with my shaman through some meditation and also through plant medicine right it just really expanded my ability to feel and understand love, right? And the universal experience and to grow, it helped me grow in empathy. Um, so that was my 30s and now I'm in my late 30s and after Baba died, Baba being my father, I found Michael Newton's work on souls and that informs my understanding about reincarnation, about how souls pick their parents. And this book was actually re recommended to me by a friend of mine at the time to help me process my father's grief. And it helped me a lot because then I understood, oh, he's not gone. He's up, he's done with this, you know, iteration of a life and he's there processing all his, his lessons and he's gonna come back in, a, in his next lifetime. And for sure, Baba has continued to be a part of my life. So in death, we have the kind of relationship we could never have in life because now he's just a pure soul. And he's unencumbered by his life, his human life experiences. And he's a very loving, grounding, steady presence who is perfect, like an impossible to describe, beautiful love and guiding force for me. He always comes to me 
when I am feeling lost, when I am in a lot of pain. And he comes to me in my dreams. Um, he's part of my spiritual tribe. So whenever I'm doing spiritual work, um, I call upon him and my two grandmothers, my maternal and paternal grandparents, grandmothers, and my spirit guide. And they come and they are present with me when I'm doing soul work. And so that's how my relationship with my father evolved. However, during those 30s, I now, I, because of the work I was doing, I started putting boundaries in place and communicating, look, this is how I feel. I'm not comfortable with you in my house because I don't feel safe. And my nervous system would just go into massive dysregulation whenever he stayed with me. And I was just like, I can't do this. And it's the same thing with my mom. And so, you know, putting boundaries in place helped me to start healing, right? And created enough um, psychological distance for me to feel safe enough to experience the pain of my childhood and begin to heal it. Because you cannot heal a pain you refuse to feel. You have to feel it first, which takes you back into that experience. And then you go in and you'll be able to heal it. And that's what inner part work, inner family systems, go read, up, go read up on it if you're curious. If you have a therapist, ask them if they do inner family system work. It is profoundly powerful. Anyway, so um, that was the arc of my relationship with my parents. Now, what I can now understand, because I then went and I put myself in my parents' shoes, and built empathy for them because you cannot forgive someone that you don't understand. I I believe for me, like it, it's very difficult for me to forgive someone I think is a villain. When you understand that someone is a human who's doing their best and has had life experiences that have brought them to a point where this is how they're behaving um, out of the best that they know how, then you can really empathize, right? And understand that the past could never have been different. Um, it could only have been the past that it was. So you stop trying to rewrite the past. You stop trying to rewrite a person's character and you accept them for who they are. And I mean, you know, my parents were also raised by very strict um, parents who were also quite harsh with them. Um, there are echoes of how uh, um, my grandparents raised them in the way that my parents raised us. And they were doing what they knew, Right. They had a very sensitive kid in me and my brother. I think of all of us, my brother and I are the most sensitive in the family, although my brother probably wouldn't say this about himself. I don't think any man, I mean, most men would not admit that they're sensitive if they are. And we, and so they were bringing all that they knew. They were also so busy trying to liberate a nation and trying to give us free, literally freedom that would help us to survive because they were being raped and killed en masse um, in Zim, Zimbabwe is where I'm from. And so to be quite on to be quite fair on them, emotional availability, healthy emotional dynamics, understanding and feelings, being considerate of um, our minds and our independence and loving us with like beauty around the complexity of the difference in personalities of each child they did not have that luxury they were trying to literally save their lives and free us and so that's what they focused on and they gave us that in abundance so i can bless and honor my parents for giving me an amazing work ethic a lot of my values of humility i don't think i'm better than anyone i think we're all the same um 
they they taught me not to be afraid of hard work they taught me to treat everyone with kindness and respect i know i'm kind of repeating myself here they also are hugely generous both of them hugely generous they made a lot of money um they worked very hard in their lives and they gave away a lot of money i can't tell you how many people my parents put through school how many people came and stayed with us when things were happening in their lives how many family members farm workers you know people that my mom would just give scholarships to like the god's child from the neighboring farm who had gotten mad A's at O level but couldn't afford A level and my mom paid for them to have A level or paid for the for that child to go to university and her only condition was that they would go and get a job you know and that they they'd have to keep coming and showing their results and if they didn't do well then she'd stop sponsoring them i mean my mom has a heart that overflows like a fountain. Like, I'm not anywhere near as generous as her. She, both my parents, are also so selfless with their time. Um, they will be there. Like, if anything happens, you can rely on them. Anyone in the family will say this. They will always be there. And so they taught me that. And they taught me how to support each other. How, as a family, we supported each other. We celebrated each other. And we had this beautiful ritual at Christmas where we'd go around the circle and say affirming words about each other. My parents gave me beautiful things. They also passed on really great genetic traits, like hereditary, I mean, hereditary traits, whatever. Um, and both physical and um, non-physical characteristics that I love and get to enjoy and enjoy the privilege of right and i'm intelligent because of how intelligent both of them are um they have a thirst for entrepreneurship my mom and dad have supported everything i've ever wanted to do for my career or for my academics they believed that i was the smartest thing in the world and i could achieve anything that i wanted to because i was i had potential and they believed in me and so they invested in me in terms of time in terms of money i shouldn't say time um, because it's not like they would sit around and help me with stuff. But like, if there was a resource that I needed, the answer was never no, um, if it would help me to achieve my potential. So like the ability to cheerlead you guys, like you guys, and my parents always celebrated us. We always celebrated birthdays. We always celebrated wins. We always celebrated great results. And we were always punished also when we fucked up, right? And, and if we didn't achieve um, the results they desired. But... Um, these are things that I have to say I was quite blind to because until my mid to late 30s, which is sad, guys, because I'm only 39. So it's only really for the past four years that I've been able to really let the gifts of my parents sink in. And if I tell you very honestly, it's only it's gotten to where we are now really in the last year because I've had to sit and say, I am who I am because of my parents, for better and for worse. I could only see the worse before, but now I can see the better, right? And so I have to honor and thank them for everything they brought. And so as a soul, I understand what my soul arc was where my parents are concerned. And I can, I can therefore say that I picked them so that they would instill in me, show me, um, craft me into someone who'd have 
although I struggled with insecurity growing up, and excuse me, I just burped, um, although I struggled with insecurity growing up because of, partly because of how they parented me, <laughs> I just had no confidence in myself because they were always telling me how much I was fucking up. Um, a lot of things so I was like well can I do anything well am I capable of living and that was the curse right but at the same time they always said to me the sky's the limit the sky's the limit you can do anything you put your mind to da, da, da. and I did believe that so I was this just bundle of contradictions of low confidence as well as you know high confidence and I have this unshakable belief that I can do anything but also at my core I have a deep insecurity that um, I'm not worthy of amazing things, even though I trust my intellect and I know I'm highly, highly capable. Capability is not the same as worthiness and deservability. And so, you know, when I look at my parents, I can now understand that I would not be able to fulfill my soul's mission if they hadn't parented me in that way. And the aspects of my soul's mission that my parents were pivotal for are, I've never listed them out, so it may not come out as a um, clear bulleted list, but, and I may miss some things, but the things that are immediately coming to mind for me that are part of my soul's mission on earth is number one. Um, oh, and before I list the things, I want to say one more thing. How I learned this, right? Because you can read the Michael Newton books, etc., and you can step back and you can think. He shares a lot of case studies so you can pick up on some of the things that feel resonant that you see in your own life, right? But what helped me the most, oh, another thing is there's a guy called Ainsley McLeod, A-I-N-S-L-I-E, M-A-C-C-L-O-U-D, MacLeod. And he's written a book that I'm enjoying quite a bit, which goes more into, so Michael Newton just, you know, maps what are souls? What's our mission? What are we trying to do here? Right? So he's like explaining the structure and what life is. And Ainsley McLeod helps you to be able to examine your life and discern what's your soul's mission. What are some of the challenges your soul came to overcome? What are some of the themes that your soul has? What are some of your soul giftings, etc.? So he takes Michael Newton keeps a very macro, big picture concept theory. And the, um, then Ainsley McLeod comes and makes it personal and says, for you, right? The second thing that's made it personal for you is me doing a past life regression. And in that past life regression, my soul tribe communicated to me some of the agreements that I had with different people in my lives. And this is where I understood the agreements I had with my mom and my dad. I had separate agreements with my mom to the agreements I had with my dad. And in combination, it became like this kind of their parental agreements with me. And so one of the primary things that, um, <laughs> ah, I cried so much when I heard this, but it made so much sense. Um, with my father, one of the things he came to do was to, and my parents in, in concert, so as a combination, they came to just break down my spirit break me down to like nothing why so that I would emerge because one of the things I wanted to do in this life was to see if I could come into myself on my own I had had a previous life where I was the shaman in a village and was just slotted in to 
my path, my purpose. I had an effortless position. I was pretty confident. I was a man. I was fully embodying my gifts from the moment I was born, all this stuff, right? Um, there, I still had challenges, but a lot of it was there when I incarnated, right? In this life, I wanted to see, can I make my way back to my soul? No matter what the odds are. So I actually set up that test for myself. So with my parents, I partly agreed with them that they would break down my spirit. It felt like bananas to me that I would choose that. Why the fuck would I do that to myself? Because literally my parents were my first heartbreak and my biggest heartbreak. No one has broken my heart the way that my parents broke my heart. And it's like, why would I choose that? But I chose it because it was the only way for me it was the fire, right? You know, when a fire is so hot, you jump out of it. It was the thing that forced me to jump out and run away. And now in that running, go seek healing, go learn about myself, choose. And I remember distinctly having a choice point about two or three years ago where it was like, am I going to take the left road or the right road? And it was in a meditation with my therapist and it was a very clear moment where I could see I either continue the path that I've been on, continue in blindness, go back and stay in the way that I've been operating and it just hasn't been working, or I choose the path of light. And the path of light has been a really tough road, right? Really tough road. But that is where the emergence was, right? And that's why I call it the emergence because it's been the emergence of my soul breaking out and coming out as me, right? And that is what I chose my parents for right to create the conditions for me to then become this independently standing beautiful completely self-embodied on my own two feet bright light of a soul and i know i chose it and i know i did it for myself and i found my way back home and home is in me and home is me knowing that i am one with the universe and it is taking my rightful place as a perfect atom in this intricate, elegant, infinitely um, expansive, perfectly interconnected universe that's full of other atoms doing exactly the same thing as me. And so, number one, my parents came to break me down, to break down my spirit so that I could emerge. Number two, my mom came to teach me independence. She came to show me that I can rely on myself, partly from seeing how she had to, she lost everyone in her family. And my mom is the strongest woman I know. I, I don't over, I don't overly celebrate strength because often it is because you haven't had people that you can lean on. And so strength comes from a place of deep pain and sorrow and loss often. And for her, that's what it was. And she came to show me that. And that's partly why. So A, seeing her role modeling that for me. B, the way she parented me. Um, she wasn't emotionally available. She wasn't affectionate. I had to self-soothe. I had to be, I've had to become my emotional nurturing. I've had to become my warm, loving, gentle parent. Because she's not that. My mom doesn't have that energy. She's deeply loving. Oh my God, my mom's commitment to us is beyond words. 
but she's not the person who's going to come and be like, oh, my little duckling, come, let me hug you and make you your favorite food. She's just going to be like, Ish, life is hard, hey, but you can do anything you put your mind to. My mom always says, you can do anything you put your mind to, Tenji. I've seen it over and over again. You are so determined. You're so resourceful. You're, my mom is a cheerleader, right? So she came t for me with that energy. And because she says that in me, I know that about myself, that I can do anything that I set my mind to, etc. So that was my agreement with my mom. And she's really bolstered my independence. And I think seeing how she also contributed significantly to our family financially has made me also want interdependence and partnership because that's the model I grew up in. And it really supported us so that my dad wasn't the be all and end all, right? So that we, he could pursue other things when he um, made career switches knowing that at least my mother's income would also support us as a family, right? And it augmented what they had because they had a dual income that was meaningfully contributing to the life they created for their their little family, right? And so I got that a lot in abundance for my mom. Um, for my dad, whew, my dad is so generous, right? And so giving. Um, I don't know how much of that... <laughs> of that I've, I've inherited and carried with me but I feel a bit of what my dad came to show me was to learn forgiveness and to learn someone's personal story because the reason I'm capable of being this empathetic is because I had to become this empathetic so I could forgive my dad and not forgiving my dad was just not an option for me and so he's told me, he's taught me that too. He's taught me how to have boundaries because I had to have big ass boundaries with my father because he was absolutely not okay. Um, I did not feel safe with him um, at all. And um, I had to say no to certain things and how I would be treated and, and stand in deeper deservability, like I deserve to be spoken to in a certain way. I deserve for someone to show up on time for me and to not have to wait and be at the beck and call of this person because he's so busy and important because my dad was a busy and important um, um, public figure in Zim and that I am deserving of love. Um, he partly, he, honestly, the combination of him and my mom gave me the attachment issues that I have. I will actually record an episode about attachment styles and mine and what it's taught me about how I show up in life and love. And, you know, he really came to challenge me in trust and opening my heart because he made me close my heart. The combination of him and my parents just made me close my heart. So I've had to claw my way back to open-heartedness, claw my way back to believing in deservability. I think some of the things that have more recently come out for me that both of my parents brought to the table and, and created for me was an embracing of my softness while owning my power, right? Um, I have felt uncomfortable with my power because it threatened my parents so much and they didn't really know how to parent a child like me. Um, and I go into more depth in this in episode one and two, I think it might be two, which is the episode where I talk about why is love so hard to find? I think that's the one. And um, number two, I've had to learn how to embrace my soft core and not see it as a weakness because 
because I was so hurt by the way my parents were parenting me, I thought that I was weak and there was something fundamentally wrong with me and people people should not be as weak as I am if they want to survive, if they, if they hope to survive in this world. And so I really distanced myself and disliked and exiled a part of me that was soft and sensitive because I felt like it was responsible for why I had such a hard time in life and life felt impossible and unlivable and made me want to be suicidal. So it felt like the greatest threat to my existence was my softness. But I can see now that it is one of my greatest strengths because that is the seat of my empathy, my compassion, this vulnerability, right? I don't have to be here telling you guys everything happening in my life. I mean, I'm here because I want to and I'm here because I need this space for myself, but also because there is power and vulnerability. Anyone who tries to use the information I share in this podcast to weaponize and tries to weaponize it and use it against me, good luck to you because for me, this is a strength, right? And um, this is a gift. And this is what makes um, all of us who have had really hard lives feel like we have people, right? I grew up feeling so alone and like so much like I didn't belong and so much like at any moment I was on the verge of death. And that's the terrifying thing about suicide is that you truly do feel like you don't have solid ground to stand on. And it was this softness and this vulnerability within me that just felt like such a liability. And my parents really made me feel that way because of the way the way their energy rubbed up against me so hard. And I've had to really claw my way back to find that little girl within me and say, you are the me that I absolutely cannot and will never live without. And I need to find a way to protect you in a healthy way so that all your gifts and beauty can flow into this world. It is for her that I have boundaries. It is for her that I come and I speak and I share my story because she deserves to be seen. It is for her that I do my healing with because she deserves to be protected. It is for her that I wrote the letter to my dad to tell him how I experienced him growing up and to tell him that I forgave him. It is for her that I have the difficult conversations with my mom sometimes because no one protected her. And I have to come and protect her and tell her she is safe and she is worthy because we all deserve and need protectors from the terrible things that happen to us in life. It was not okay that my parents parented me in that way, even though I chose them. So that's the weird juxtaposition that our souls have to figure out and that I haven't figured out, right? That you you somehow, because I chose these parents, I have to contend with the fact that what they did wasn't okay and I invited it into my life and it was necessary for me to be me. And that's what makes me able to have compassion, but I still have to um, meet out the consequences of how my parents parented me. So, you know, when I have to put in boundaries because, you know, my parents weren't treating me the way that I needed to be treated so that they would be a safe space for me, um, I could both hold compassion for them and empathy and the need of the boundary, the need for the boundary. The last thing that my parents really gave me was um, they parented me in a way that was very controlling. And so a theme of control has, oh my gosh, it's going to recur until I die. And I know this. And one of the big things is for me to find freedom and autonomy. And that's what's made me so sovereign and independent. 
but it's also a shadow that is inviting me into partnership and union and community and commitment and trust and all of, all of the expressions of love. Like you can't have love if you're terrified of being controlled and if you're terrified of being hurt and if you're terrified that um, people are going to break your spirit. So you have to somehow find a way to expose yourself to the most risky, vulnerable thing that can happen to you as a soul and know you're capable of facing it. You're capable of facing the greatest pain. And that is the biggest lesson that my parents gave me is they showed me that I can survive. Like I can survive anything because I am here and I am standing and I am strong and I am powerful and I am beautiful and I am worthy and I am full of gifts. And I am my biggest cheerleader and no one can tell me, no one can tell me that I am not worthy of love because I had to claw my way back to love. And I had to claw my way back to belonging and faith in myself. And I say this, you know, I, I never wanted to talk about this stuff, especially in my 20s and early 30s, because I thought it would make me seem weak. And I thought that people would maybe laugh at me or people would look down on me and be like, oh, this girl, you know, like, why is she so pathetic? Like, I really thought it, would, it was just like so pathetic that, I, you know, this is how I believe, how I, what I believed about myself and what I believed about life, but it is my greatest strength, and I am beyond ridiculously proud of myself, and I think energetically, that is why I'm able to attract the clients that I attract, because they see in me someone who has done the thing they're trying to do, and they see that in me energetically. I talk about it here, and I'm normalizing the fact that you can be a powerful, brilliant, fucking amazing human, and be vulnerable and be growing and learning and have had to do deep healing work and be full of wounding, right? And I get triggered in these things and I have, I've had to learn tools to like support and, and carry myself. And that's the legacy of my parents and many other things that happened in my life, right? I'm not saying my parents were the reason and the sole reason I am the way I am. They were also boyfriends. They were also friends. They were also teachers. They were also, you know, other ancillary family members who made impressions on me. But they were the pivotal ones, right? So how can I then hate them when they gave me the greatest gift of my soul's growth? And when I die... I know we're all going to be back in soul life and we're going to be like, fuck, that was hard. But you know what? Like, did I take the agreement we made and make the most of it? Did I use it the way that I intended to? And for them, did they? So the thing is, just as much as they have been the greatest engine of my growth, I know that I, in combination with my siblings, as well as their parents, have been the greatest engines of their growth right? Because one of the things that I've brought to my parents that I think has been a big growth aspect for both of them is the boundaries piece, that there are consequences to how you show up in life. You don't just get a free pass and you, and you can't afford to not grow. And this is the thing with my parents is that, you know, in some aspects, they're of a generation that's kind of refused to evolve emotionally because they just don't really know how to. But unfortunately, that means because we are evolving, the children are evolving emotionally, they're losing out on access to us in the same ways as they would have um, because we are putting boundaries in place and we have a language for 
things like emotional safety. We have a language for um, things like toxicity and, and unsupportive environments and all these things. We are giving ourselves permission to protect ourselves and they never had that permission. And when they see us doing this, it can either inspire them to do the same for themselves because they were also raised by repressed parents. It can give them an invitation to go get therapy so that they can maybe heal their inner kids and envisage a life that's possible. And I know some of the older generation, it's very few of them, but some of them do try therapy and some of them do find a bit of healing there, right? But, you know, I know that I push them. I push my parents on a level of integrity that I think is quite hard because I come with the emotional stuff, right? I don't just like roll over. When I was young, I repressed my voice a lot because it endangered my livelihood to speak up, right? So I just didn't. I learned that I shouldn't. But as an adult who earns her own money and who supports herself, I confronted my parents with the choices that they've made. And that's an invitation to them on whether they're going to grow and soften and be gentler or not. Say, fuck that, I'm just going to treat people however the fuck I want to treat them. No, you don't get to treat people however the fuck you want to treat people because there will be consequences. You will lose access to them and you won't be able to just get away with shit. And so I know that that's how I challenge my parents and bring them something that I think um, is hard. Also for my mom... My mom named me after her mom and she then lost everyone in her family. And I know that my mom has really craved an intimacy and closeness with me that I have pushed back against because I can't, I can't be that with her given the way she is with me. But when I was younger, like we kind of didn't have a choice. Like we kind of couldn't have emotional boundaries. And it hurts her a lot that I have emotional boundaries with her. But it's partly for her, because she also came here to stand on her own two feet, right? That, that was one of the agreements and one of the things my mom came here to have. And so I'm also, part of my agreement with her is that I'm not going to be super intimately tight with her and take care of her because she needs to take care of herself. And the fascinating thing is that in my most recent past life regression, I was shocked to discover that my mom had been my baby sister in my last life. And, you know, I was the dude, you know, Mr. Shaman, spiritual guide, wealthy, successful in my community. And so I didn't see the life I had with my mom as my baby sister. But I can imagine and, you know, it makes sense to me that I really, really cared for her, right? And nurtured her and supported her. And I think she came with, because you come into your next life with echoes of the last life, even though you have no conscious memory of the relationship dynamic you had with someone, you'll have unconscious awareness of it. Um, and sometimes you, you, you want to enrich that, right? And deepen it in this lifetime. Other times, you, you need to pull away from that, right? For whatever reasons you're trying to achieve. And with my mom and I, we, we needed to pull away from it. Interestingly, um, I over-parented my baby sister, like, because I was trying to protect her so much from, you know, the household dynamics. And um, I became overly protective over her. And I discovered in the same past life regression that... She was my daughter several lifetimes ago when I was, you know, this little Russian woman 
um, in another life. And that was a very happy life. And she was my daughter. And now in this life, she's my sister. And I'm like, oh, I understand why I was so maternal towards her. And we had a point in my relationship with my sister where I had to really step away and let her go on her own path and let her make her own mistakes and let her have the life she wanted, not the life that I wanted for her, which was some of that parenting dynamics that I had with her when she was my daughter. Isn't that so fascinating? So I want to conclude this episode, right, by saying somehow when we know this to be true, we have to be able to hold our parents in deep compassion We have to not punish them for roles we've cast them into as souls. But at the same time, we have to hold them accountable for the way they show up in this life because it is part of what will make them grow. We cannot protect our parents from the growth that comes for them because otherwise we do them a disservice and we rob their souls of the very necessary growth that they came here to have by being in relationship with us. That is our duty of care to the agreement that we put in place with our parents. Just as they have a duty of care to be our abusers, our hurt, our greatest source of hurt, etc. Because that is partly what makes our souls evolve. But they still take ownership and accountability for that in a way, right? Same as we have to take ownership and accountability for the people we hurt in life. Because karma is karma, right? And karma isn't about punishment, It's about writing the scales, right? It's about um, addressing wrongs when we've caused them and, you know, inviting and introducing into our lives opportunities either in our current lives or in future lives to now that we've learned the lesson to rebalance the scales, right? So part of what's happening with my parents is like, as I evolve and heal and I come to them with a language around healing around you know trauma or around pain or around boundaries and things like that that is then the opportunity to then redress or balance the karma scales and my my mom could say I'm so sorry um this was my intention and how do I love you better what do you need from me Tae and how do I you know, not make this the mama show, but also make this the tear show, right? And it becomes mama's choice, whether she's going to rise up in that, right? And if she can't, she's going to go get help so that she can actually love the sensitive daughter of hers really well. Or if she's going to dig her heels in because it's too difficult and because she's got so much pain and repressed trauma around not herself being loved in in the way that she needed to be loved, you know? And me asking her to love me in that in the way that I need triggers her for sure right and I see that with deep compassion but I can't save her from her pain I have to let her journey on her own path so that she can find her own healing and I have to support myself in my path so that I find my healing and in doing that we both honor each other's and our individual growth paths and that's why episodes like these are so important because I'm honoring my parents I think in the past and that's why I mapped the journey of my relationship with them and my understanding of what their role was with me I mapped it out because I realized that when I was younger they were just the villains in my life and now I have a a richer and more complex and layered understanding uh, more context behind you know, the role that they played in my life. And so I can honor 
that they played an important role and thank them for playing that role. And I can receive the gifts that they gave me and not, um, not, ah, oh, there's a proper term for this where you misrepresent someone. It's psychology. You know, when you only see the bad and you don't see the good, like, um, I think I now have a more balanced view of what my parents gave me. And I'm also more self-aware of what was not stuff that I can hold them to and what is the stuff that I can hold them to and how I do them a disservice when I don't honor them fully um, for everything they've done for me. And so I don't think it's very easy. And, and it was hard for me, especially when I was younger, to talk about how hard I found my childhood because it felt like I was betraying my parents and being disloyal. But I think it's very important for me to own my truth. And I think it's important as well that in an episode like this, I say my parents were amazing. They were wonderful people. They did so much for the country, for their families, for us as a family, for me. Like, I would not be who I am without them. So many people would not be who they are, who they are without them. Villains aren't, aren't these like myopic, you know, figures that um, I, I'm struggling to find the word for this, but they're not one-dimensional, where they're only bad. They're also good. They're also amazing, right? And so what is a villain? A villain is a person who does, you know, challenging things. So my parents are just people who did challenging things, but they also did amazing things. And so for you, if you have a parent, now here I am being a coach, but like, if you have a difficult relationship with your parents, possibly stepping back and saying, what role have they played in shaping me into who I am? Because possibly this is what I needed to become, what I wanted to become as a soul in this lifetime. Because if you can do that, then you can maybe hate them a little less, <laughs> fight with them a little less, struggle with the role they play a little less. I don't know what it is, but it can loosen up the stone and the heaviness that can sometimes sit in our chest. Now, this isn't about spiritual bypassing, right? And spiritual bypassing is using spiritual topics to bypass the very real pain and reality of the human experience. We still have to feel the feelings, the loss, the devastation, the trauma, the intensity, the how will I ever get over this? We still have to feel that so that we can go and do the healing and support ourselves and be there for each other because we are human beings. We aren't like spirit minds. We're human beings with psyches, with egos, and we have to nurture and care for our ego and our psyche and our hearts and our minds and our bodies so that we don't fracture while we're in this lifetime. Because if we don't do that in this lifetime, we do damage our souls. And this is, you know, it's, if go read the Michael Newton book, he talks about this, but like, you know, if we, if we spiritually bypass too much and we leave ourselves in trauma, we carry the resonance of our trauma when we leave earth. And sometimes our souls, they need heavy duty healing to, you know, return to energetic um, clarity, right? And reconstitution. It's almost like a reconstituting of your soul because it gets fragmented in these, you know, difficult ways. And so don't bypass the pain, still feel it, etc., And then you know, hold the abundance of the story and the understanding and the awareness and the wisdom that knowing what your soul intention was and your agreements were with your parents and sit in the reality of the human experience because we're here to sit in the human experience and not to bypass it. All right.
Oh, guys, I had stopped recording, but I realize now that it would be remiss of me to not mention two important things in an episode like this. Important thing number one is that this does not condone people's behavior. There are parents who rape their children and molest their children, who financially, physically, emotionally abuse their children. Um, I think I experienced a combination of... Um, no, I can't say it was physical abuse. I definitely can't. Um, but emotional abuse, yes. I did feel that way. And that's just my truth. Um, and I need to not protect people's perceptions of my parents because of what I've just said. Because I have to be able to honor my truth. You see, you can hear me, guys. This is so hard. This is so hard to say. This is so hard to say. This is why I've never spoken in this level of depth about my childhood because I've never wanted people to villainize my parents but I did feel like I was emotionally abused growing up and there's just no way around it and yeah it does not condone what was done to me it does not condone what is done to anyone just because we have a soul agreement you're still responsible, right? Because ultimately, right, you come in as a soul and sometimes your agreement just says there are certain things you're going to do and then as a soul, you start wiling out. Like as a human being, you start wiling out and like not moderating yourself or going over and above the mandate or deciding not to grow and that inflicts further pain and unnecessary pain beyond the scope of the agreement. In other cases... It is that as a soul, you chose to do this, but as a human, you're still held accountable so that your soul can even feel the deep ramifications of what it's like to be a perpetrator in that way. And honestly, sometimes our, our souls do come to earth and end up undisciplined. So what I'm, what I'm here to say is that this does not in any way condone abuse. And the terrible things people do to each other, murdering their children, asphyxiating their babies, dumping their babies and abandoning them. There's so many things human beings do. We all are held accountable for everything we do. There is no get out of jail free card just because a soul chose something. And sometimes people do things and there was no agreement, right? Um, and like I said, sometimes people go beyond scope right and so that's number one and I, I really want anyone listening to know that I I don't condone anything any of those really awful things because they're hard and horrible and it's never ever ever okay that's number one um I think I've forgotten number number two let me remember it and I'll come back. Oh, guys, I've come back and I can't remember number two. So if it comes to me when I re-listen to this episode, I will come back and record it and add it to the end of this episode. Just so that you know, I don't, I only listen to, I only re-listen to my episodes once they've been published. So you may only get an update after you've listened to this so come back and see if i added anything but if it needs to be said it will come back to me and if it doesn't need to be said it will not all right have a beautiful evening